It's a Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories bonus episode. I'm Brian. Bonus. I'm Murdoch. On uh, our regular episodes, we drop on Wednesdays. We're typically talk- talking about rumor and innuendo for your favorite bands and songs, but we found it's fun to get together uh, sometimes later in the week and talk about other things like what's going on in the world of music, etc. And this week, a couple of big headlines to discuss. Uh, one of them, Bonnaroo not happening. Not happening, and it's not because of COVID. Yeah, flooded. It sucks, man. That happened in the town that we live in a few years ago. Remember when they kept trying to put up a music festival in that one park? And everyone, before that company came in, I'll speak in vagaries, before that company came in and tried to build a music festival in that park, everyone was like, I forgot that park existed. I wonder why no one uses that park. And then we learned. <laughs> well, my one of my kids used to play soccer in that park. So yeah, they they got a couple good festivals off, and then they had to move it into a into a pavement oasis because yeah, it that, didn't work. That's from by car, four minutes from my front door. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they are going to do a little bit this year, right? They're doing they're doing a metal fest this year, so you're going to hear like corn from your front porch. Man, Jonathan Davis got COVID. He did. Yeah, so they had to cancel. Two shows, reschedule six, I guess. And he got a chair. Like, you know, he's got that H.R. Geiger microphone. He got, like, kind of a creepy chair. He he literally is having some effects. Oh, man. Physical, physical and, and, uh, and mental effects from having it. It's rough. But he's going out and... And doing the shows. Well, speaking of musicians uh, dealing with COVID, uh, I don't know if you heard this. Uh, other big news this week: Michael McDonald was absent from uh, Doobie Brothers' performance. Did you know they they're back together? They're doing like a reunion thing with uh, Michael McDonald era Doobs. Is Michael McDonald? Does he have COVID? The group revealed he was not feeling well, quote unquote, and he was recuperating and isolating. So they will not admit whether or not he has it, but they have admitted that somebody within their team has had it. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. We got to watch out for Michael McDonald. Paul Stanley got it. It's everywhere, man. I mean, trying to go back on the road is tough. And, you know, trying to go to the grocery store is tough, but trying to go back on the road is really tough, you know, especially when you're traveling in big groups and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I know I saw the Counting Crows a few weeks ago, and they had canceled other shows that week because of uh, it being in their camp. One of their one of their guys, not in the band, but in the traveling crew, had contracted it. So it's all over the I have, place, man. I have no idea how any of this works. In terms of dealing with it or moving yeah. on from it or all of the above? How people are dealing with it. Here's some news to make you and your household happy. Uh, ABBA is back. How's your wife feel about ABBA? Your wife is from Sweden. ABBA is from Sweden. I need to draw those lines together for the audience. But are, are you an ABBA household? You know, it's it's in the it, it definitely gets played. It's in the rotation, and it's interesting that I'll be in the car with our oldest daughter, who's listening to just terrible, awful hip hop. That I I sit in the car and just sort of like deal with the thing, and then all of a sudden it's like Waterloo, <laughs> and it's like kid listens to ABBA because your mom's Swedish. But yeah, I mentioned it to my wife, and she goes, "She goes, I knew this yesterday. You don't read, you don't 
know how to read Swedish news. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I don't care. Like that response tells me everything I need to know. That's that answers the question fully. Thank you for that. And, and, um, and I'm like, whoa, you scooped me on the <laughs> hologram ABBA. Yeah. Well, I guess this is like a really big deal to some people. They've been talking about doing it for a long time. It's probably an enormous deal for yeah. some people. Uh, I mean, it's officially the first real reuniting in 40 years. And they're going to put out new music, which, I mean, what does new ABBA music sound like? Does it sound like old ABBA music? Are they going to try to get some some trap music or some drop beats or some remixes? Like, what? <laughs> What's it going to be? If uh, a highly recommended on Netflix, the This Is Pop um, series, there's an episode about Sweden, and Benny from ABBA is in it. Oh, right. And on. explains how they became famous in Sweden, and then how they became famous everywhere else, and and why Swedish people are great songwriters and artists. So they're actually going to do a digital concert. In May yes. of 2022. I guess they've also been teasing this for like five years. <clears throat> and to do it, they're teaming up with George Lucas's Industry Light and Magic. And it's happening at in London at Boring. Queen Elizabeth <laughs> Olympic Park. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. But I, the tickets go on sale like Monday. So if you're, if you're trying to get lucky, go ahead and get those tickets, Murdoch. Uh, pass? Hard pass. <laughs> All right. Really, the biggest thing to talk about, though, this week is an anniversary. Uh, I'm sure you have seen the pieces and had the conversations, but a very important album turns 30 this week, 30 years old. That's Pearl Jam's 10. Tell me about the first time you heard Pearl Jam's 10. Um, I think that uh, our former guest on our other podcast, um, Kyle Meredith and I have a similar thing. I think I got it through Columbia House. Oh, right on. Columbia House Records for the win. I wanted to do it so bad when I was a kid. Because remember, they would put them in the back of every magazine, and there would be the circulars yeah. in the mail. I mean, they they promoted that thing so hard. And you knew. You knew it wasn't a good deal. I remember my dad sitting down with me and showing me, this doesn't make sense. But eventually, they relented. Because when you have a, a music-obsessed kid like I was, I, I couldn't help myself. And of course... I was into Christian rock, right? That was the that was the thing. So I had to buy Christian rock cassettes, and I got, I convinced my sister. To, I wonder if she remembers doing this to go in with me and split the cost. So she had to buy six, and I had to buy six, right? So we could get to hit our whatever our Get's thing was. Number. I'm Ride trying to remember. Subscription. I, and so that was my that was the first time I did it. I got out of that eventually. I had to save up a lot of allowance money to get myself out of that hole, and then. When I was in college, like my pair, I move out of my parents' house immediately. I get I get my ears pierced, I grow my hair out, and I do Columbia House <laughs> or BMG. Maybe I think it was BMG the second time. And I remember a lot of what I bought uh, this both times. Really, the first time Pearl Jam Ten was not involved in either of them. The first time there was a lot of Christian rock. Uh, Audio Adrenaline. I remember buying Audio Adrenaline. There was probably some DC Talk records in there. Um, but specifically the second time, I remember a, like, maybe later Blind Melon. Like, maybe Soup. Like, not the not the first Blind Melon record. 
The uh, first one's really good. Yeah, the first one's really good. Soup's not really good. <laughs> but uh, I, I do prefer, and actually maybe I got this. Maybe I got the one that's like the B-Sides collection record where they have a cover of Steppenwolf's Pusher Man, which is really, really good. Um, but and yeah, our, I bought some our, weird stuff. And our ages are different. Like for you, like I'm, I remember when I got 10, like it was a big deal because I remember it being like a very whole work and it, it felt very big and very epic or whatever. But 90, 91 had, 91 was like my junior year or right. like, or the end going in the beginning of my senior year of high school. And the albums that came out that year are freaking amazing. Yeah. Like in a 60 day period, uh, some of the biggest albums that kind of redefined rock for our generation uh, came out all around the exact same time. So being in high school during that time, I can't imagine because I had to come to that stuff backwards because there is a nine year age difference between us almost exactly nine years. And so, you're experiencing that at 17, but I'm eight years old. So I have to wait until, uh, I, you know, I get a little older and I'm trying to think the first time I remember, I still have a copy of 10. I bought in high school at, at a pawn shop or something that was just the disc. Like, you know, it'd be stacked on a, on a, on a, a ring of CDs that people had brought in, you know, from their car or whatever, and probably bought out of those books full of CDs, and they're just taking, probably giving them pennies for them. And I think I probably paid a dollar or two for it, right? And I still have it in a CD case somewhere, that, that copy of 10. I don't know that I've ever bought a proper copy of 10. I think I just have that one. Wow. No, I had the, I had the cassette. That's how long ago that was. And then this is interesting, really. I had the cassette, but I don't know that I ever owned the compact disc. That's how not a, a big of a fan of Pearl Jam I am. Yeah, like so. How did it progress from there? Were you was that really your only Pearl Jam album? I like the second one a bit, and then yeah, then I'm done. I think I like Versus more than Ten. But I don't know. It's hard to say. That's sort of like the Counting Crows conundrum that I come up against. Like, August and Everything After is, like, the album that made them. But Recovering the Satellites is by far my favorite record, my favorite record of all time. So it's, you know, I can't disown the first one, but I definitely don't love it like I love the second one. But Versus has, I remember when it broke for me in my brain, like, and I was like, okay, I get this, was on Versus, I believe it's on Versus, Elderly Woman in a Small Town, Behind a Counter mm-hmm. in a Small Town. Yeah. I seem to recognize your face. That's my favorite Pearl Jam song of all time. <laughs> the 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 thing that I think is an unpopular opinion that I have is that I think either Use Your Illusion records are better than Appetite for Destruction. So oh. and and the, produ- and the production the production clearly is is important <clears throat> for sure. But the songs I think are better. The songwriting's better, even though some of those songs are predate Appetite. November Rain was really old. Don't Cry was really old. Back Off Bitch was really old. Um, several of those songs were things they just had in the can from like early, early times before they even recorded Appetite. So they were dumping songs, but I really thought that those records, either one of those, was better than Appetite. So even though Appetite is great songs, I just don't think. I pick up Appetite for Destruction, listen to it ever. 
did you see the piece ultimate classic rock ran this week they're doing this whole series on guns and roses songs like song by song and they published a piece with the story behind right next door to hell oh wow i love it i know i'd love to i'd love to hear what that is so it's it's interesting uh because it's really it's really sort of dark uh Rose says he wrote right next door to hell, or at least the chorus, about his neighbor at the time, Gabriella Cantor. Do you recognize that name? No. Oh, is it is a comedian? No, no. Gabriella Cantor is the woman who accused the singer of clubbing her in the head with an empty wine bottle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so that happened in 1990. And of course... Axel tells the police a totally different story. Uh, he says that she had been harassing him ever since he moved into these condos because he like you know he gets that appetite money. He moves into these West Hollywood condos that are pretty high dollar, and he he claimed that she would be in her apartment blasting music, and he walks in the into the hallway and tells her to shut up. And then she throws a wine bottle at him and then throws her keys into his apartment. Now, the story that ends up happening or, or the reason the police get called and all this stuff happens, she says he clubbed her on the head with that wine bottle and threw her car keys off of his 12th floor balcony. So at some point it escalates, right? Hmm. Now, I, I don't know. I'm not taking a side here. I don't think Axl Rose is probably a great uh, a great guy to hang out with, and probably not been great to women at the especially at the height of his fame. Sure, um, that's fair. I, and I would say one of the things that I would uh, go ahead and put in the column that would dictate that he is is probably not the best is that his response to this whole situation was to write a song called right next door to hell <laughs> it's yeah, about that woman about her yeah <laughs> yeah and he wrote uh like get in the ring he like has like a roll call of people he wants to beat the crap out of which is yeah. hilarious yeah there's I, a little I, toxic I masculinity rattling around to use your illusion sort of i do remember <laughs> before it came out he had told an interview in an interview that they had a song that was like slayer and i was like give it to me um, and that was Garden of Eden. That's what that song was. Which it was amazing that Axel convinced Geffen to release a video for Garden of Eden with the bouncy ball, so you could follow the lyrics. That's like what because we were talking about on the karaoke episode, where the yeah right? the the Disney bouncing ball stuff. That's I hilarious. hadn't even thought about putting Guns N' Roses together with it. Yeah. I feel like you bring Guns N' Roses into every conversation, whether or not they're supposed to be there, so it very much surprises me that you missed that cue and that opportunity. But I'm glad you brought it back on the bonus episode. So to finish up, talking about 10, Pearl Jam's album that turns 30 this week, uh, I did read a great story. It's in the show notes there. As Spin talked to a ton of artists about their impressions of Spin all throughout. They went to to people like Nancy Wilson of Heart. They went to the guy from Local H. They went to a, a guy at Apple Music. Like they, they just kind of ran the gamut. And one of the people they talked to in this piece is Julian Casablancas from The Strokes. Wow. And it's a really fun little piece with him because what he says is he got really obsessed with Pearl Jam at some point and decided 
to prove to himself that he could be a singer by recording himself on cassette singing over the top of Alive. And if you could just imagine Julia Casablanca's oh singing alive, like it's very, very funny. And so he said it actually, when he listened back to it, it was so bad. It, it, he decided he was only going to be a guitarist and yeah. it took years and some convincing from people to, to help him develop his own style of singing, which, you know, he's done quite well for himself, but it's definitely not the vocal prowess that you hear with Eddie Vedder. And that's most of the stories that you hear about 10 are really all wrapped up in this idea that, it, you know, it, of Eddie's voice and, and what that took to get. I mean, it's, it's a tragic story, uh, which I had not really known uh, all the details of, but Mother Love Bone was about to release a record in 1990. <laughs> And oh, yeah, dude, this is like this is like in my rock and roll DNA from right. This is this, this is the basics. I mean, I knew that they had they had come out of Mother Love Bone, but I didn't realize the timetable was so tight that in March of of ninety, Mother Love Bone's going to release this record. The, they break up the band after Andrew Wood dies of a heroin overdose. Stone and Jeff uh, slowly find their way back into music. I mean, relatively slowly. Uh, they made a couple demos. They go to the guy who was playing drums before Chad Smith and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and he ends up handing them to a friend of his named Eddie Vedder, and Eddie Vedder sends back a vocal performance on a live once in footsteps, and that it ends up being what becomes 10, which is crazy to think about that band with a different singer. I mean, because, you know, Eddie Vedder is is really the quintessential Pearl Jam. If you're if you're talking about Pearl Jam with people, the first thing they do is an Eddie Vedder impression, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of the be all end all of the whole the the whole thing, really. And 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 two, I think that they've have went the route of the Grateful Dead in terms of how they tour. And you know, obviously, the way they they release shows, yeah, like yeah. physically release them. I bought so, a lot of those back in the day, but I uh, never listened to them. I just think it's really interesting. How about Opera Man from SNL? Remember this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really have to see Adam Sandler's face when he does that. It just sells the whole bit. Yeah. Can you imagine being on SNL when Sandler was on SNL? When there, when can you imagine really where it's like, yeah, we're gonna let Adam do another bit during update. <laughs> and it's like, like guys, he's just making funny noises, like. He's, <laughs> he doesn't actually do shit. <laughs> oh man, I I think we both have a respect for for Pearl Jam Ten, regardless of the mileage we have with oh. Pearl Jam as a band. We both love Pearl Jam Ten in our own ways. Correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and I I listened to it um, going to high school quick recall tournaments in the back of a station wagon bringing up that quick recall sexiness again be careful man we're gonna start getting fan mail stop I it i know stop that, it that kind yeah. <laughs> 
All right. If you want to send us fan mail or hate mail or any sort of mail, uh, interact. Let us know your thoughts on Pearl Jam's 10 and everything else we talk about. You can do that. We are the story guys at gmail.com. Check out the website. We are the story You can find us on Facebook and interact there as well. Just look for the story guys. And uh, until next time, what do we need people to peep doing? Keep telling stories. <laughs>